Hi, and welcome to our Bridgerton podcast, where we're chatting all things Bridgerton and re-watching the episodes from series one. My name's Christina. And I'm Natalie, and today we'll be chatting about series one, episode one, The Diamond of the First Water. So, Chris, what were your first impressions when you saw the first scene pop up in this episode? Well, I'm a huge fan of Jane Austen adaptations. So I was going into this thinking it was going to be like one of those. And it took about five minutes for me to realise, really, it was a moment where Anthony was having sex with his girlfriend up against a tree with his bare buttocks out. (laughs) Hang on. This is not like any Jane Austen adaptation I've ever seen. What's going on? Yes, I agree. Um, the first thing I thought of uh, was, oh my gosh, Mary Poppins is narrating this because it's um, Julia Andrews, isn't it? That's right, it is. I, I don't think I realised that at the start. No, there were so many things I noticed watching this a second time um, that I didn't pick up on the first time. But then to have Mary Poppins or Julia, Julia Aniston, no, Julia Andrews, Um, talking in her really proper accent and then watching some guy having sex with a woman against a tree I was like oh this is different yeah and I'm not gonna lie um because I was in that headset of Jane Austen adaptations I really only ever gave the first episode of Bridgerton like 10 minutes and then I actually turned it off and it's not until I went back to it a few weeks later and I was like you know what I'm just gonna watch it for what it is for something entertaining that I actually was able to get into it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's really easy, isn't it, to have a very specific view of what an adaptation or a Regency period costume drama should look like? It really is, unlike any period drama that I've ever seen before. Um, I suppose you've got things like the Tudors. It's probably more like the Tudors and that kind of thing, isn't it? I just loved, loved, loved the stunning dresses and the bright colours. Like I always thought they just wore, in those days, whites and the occasional brown. <laughs> like I'm thinking of Lizzie Bennett in the BBC version of Pride and Prejudice. But these colours are stunning. Like they really pop out at you and I love that. What did you think of the colours of this um, in this episode? Well, I do make my own Regency dresses, as you know. So I've learned a little bit about costuming and stuff. And what bothers me and a lot of other um, costumers I think is that in the opening scene we're shown them trying to squeeze the Featherington daughters into corsets and the corsets they're showing in this depiction just wouldn't really have been worn in Regency time so Regency women wore stays which were kind of like half corsets but basically you can see in the scene they're trying to push in their waist to make them tiny well, that's pointless when they're wearing empire line dresses that have absolutely zero waist. It's it's pulled in under the bust and then it's loose around the waist. So I think, yeah, a lot of people, they're trying to use that stereotype of, oh, women were pushed into corsets. But that really wasn't the case in Regency times, like in Victorian times, definitely. Um, but you're right. The costume colours are gorgeous. But again, I will point out that Lady Featherington in particular, her dress is not her dresses aren't Regency style. They're really mi- a weird mix and they're modern fabrics as well. So they're not. Um, but I know the show weren't trying to do the whole traditional kind of authentic, historical, accurate costumes. And that's fine, too, isn't it? That's interesting about what you're saying. So, you, yeah. So the the structure of a corset is all about emphasizing the waist. But then the empire line dresses, you don't really have a waist. It's all about underneath the bosom. Is that right? That's right. So, um, yeah, that scene was like a little bit silly. Um, oh. And Lady Featherington dresses are just so bizarre because they've got this weird, um, almost like a sweetheart neckline. Um, it looks almost like Victorian, her dresses, but not quite. And the fabrics are really quite modern. They're not yes. at all Regency. And they, they are um, like kind of man-made fabrics as well. Um, but you're right. Regencies, they would have had really colourful dresses. And a lot of other adaptations do go down the whole like pastel route, don't they? So I do like the colours in the show. 
Yeah, that's so interesting because Lady Featherington, her dresses do seem really different from everyone else's. Um, very flattering, I've got to say. Like, I was admiring her figure a lot in this episode. Um, interesting. Okay, so first impressions. Uh, interesting, bit of a mixed bag. What were your best bits from this episode? Yeah, um, I really liked... Um, yeah the humor so there's a <laughs> the scene where the Featherington girls um come to court to meet the queen and the three of them look so uncomfortable and they're all they all push each other through the door so they don't even let each other go in one at a time so they squeeze in the doors and it's like kind of they just look like idiots um and then of course one of them faints doesn't she, doesn't she in front of the queen uh, which I thought was quite funny yeah I almost felt like that t- um that kind of taught the mum because the mum was the one that was forcing her into a tiny little corset and then she ends up the daughter ends up collapsing and that's even more embarrassing um I like grumpy Eloise so I love how in the opening scene we're introduced to like the um the Bridgerton family and the brothers are like oh I'll get Daphne no I'll get Daphne and then Eloise just shouts out these beautiful stairs like Daphne it just felt really modern like I feel like Eloise is a is like a millennial like she could be one of our friends like she just I like her grumpy Eloise I like her yeah I really like Eloise and I actually wrote down that um she is how we would act if we went back in time into a costume drama (laughs) she's the one that's like hang on women aren't just here to look pretty they're supposed to have brains and she's like like later on in another episode she's outside smoking and I'm just like yeah she's way more like a modern person isn't she absolutely like the way um that she moves as well um it's not that that graceful swan-like figure that Daphne is um my other best bit is the entrance of the Duke of Hastings like the music's really dark and he's on his horse it's like a stallion or something like rather than like a little Shetland pony and then he's got his hip flask and his black coat and the bad boy style just like pumping out of him like he I was like oh wow and then he swings his leg over the horse and gets off whereas everyone else probably like leans over the horse's mane like grapples for the (laughs) yeah I it reminded me of a cowboy movie like you know when a new cowboy comes into town and they rock up into like the cowboy town and they kind of look around and take a swig from there flask and I just thought yeah that's what it reminds me of he looked really cool I thought yeah Yeah. um my last best part of this episode was when him and Daphne agree to that charade and they're going to pretend like they're going to fall in love and he says stare into my eyes oh he says it in a way sexier way than that and I was like actual goosebumps I actually looked down and there were goosebumps on my arm. I love that last dance scene with them. How about you? Are there any other better scenes for you? Um, no, but on that point, am I the only one watching that thinking that their plan makes absolutely zero sense? Because he was like, I'm not available in this scenario that we can act out and you're desirable. And I was like, no, you're both unavailable in this scenario. <laughs> I don't understand the concept of this scenario at all as a plan is like no one's gonna get with you because they think you're engaged or you're courting so why would anyone want to get with Daphne I don't get it I don't get it because I was like for someone who really doesn't want to commit you know you seem pretty keen on this idea of looking like you're committed um so that seems strange to me that that plan would even pop into his head like he could just head off to like France if he wanted to he doesn't even need this plan but um ah what was I gonna say I've forgotten can I just make a sorry I just remembered can I just really quickly say um Mm -hmm. I love how they make a really they make it really clear that a woman and a man cannot be left alone together so if a woman is in a conservatory with a guy they have to get married and that actually happened in the in the episode you hear a conversation about this happening but they think it's a good idea to pretend that Daphne is basically about to be engaged to this Duke. I mean, who's going to want her? Won't she be spoilt goods? Yeah. Again, like he's trying to say, oh, men love it when a woman is desirable and wanted, and especially by a Duke. 
But all I see is, well, if they think that a duke's courting her, you're right. Why would they even bother? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. Can I just point out that in the books, if anyone's read the books, Daphne is actually not very desirable. So she's supposed to be quite ordinary. And she kind of complains that she gets close to guys, but they always just friend zone her. And that she's not seen as like, oh, like a really beautiful, alluring, charming woman. And I actually really like that in the books. But they've completely turned down its head for the TV show where they're like, no, no, no. She's the best woman in the ton. She's beautiful. Like, she's amazing. She's Diamond of the First Water. And it's a bit disappointing they've done that. I agree, because I think that would have been a lot more relatable for viewers if that had actually been the case that she wasn't the most beautiful woman on in the episode um I guess that's where maybe Hollywood maybe had its influence maybe but it's a shame I wonder why they decided to do that because I think that would have been a really interesting approach wouldn't it and they lose something there as well because it it is hard to relate to Daphne because she just seems so perfect I feel like I relate more to Eloise who's looking at Daphne going wow I would that would never be me like (laughs) um so I was thinking how sad it is that Eloise and Daphne don't really get on at all but then I was like the reason that is is because Daphne just doesn't let down this facade of perfection mm. and it's annoying and she never just opens up and acts like natural around um Eloise and even if Eloise tries to talk to her about real stuff you know like how having childbirth is scary and how their mum almost died Daphne always goes you know goes on like advice mode and it's like Eloise gets annoyed and walks off and I think yeah it is annoying why can't you just open up and show some imperfection or do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's always an act. And that's the other thing I loved about Eloise, when I think Daphne's glamorising a, a, a match, a marriage that was made. And Eloise was like, they live a thousand miles apart. They're miserable together. This this couple that Daphne has elevated to, I want to be like them. And I do think that Eloise does seem a little bit more grounded and down to earth and a little bit more knowledgeable of the world. She seems to be reading a lot as well, doesn't she? Yeah. They're so polar opposite. And I it did make me feel a bit sad that they can't, they don't have a good relationship. But you can totally understand why. They're just too different, aren't they? Yeah, and I think Eloise has got Penelope as her as her buddy. She's got a bit of a kindred spirit with Penelope, hasn't she? Because Penelope like is very different from her two sisters too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and can we just talk about the brothers, the Bridgerton brothers? Because they are really popular. So, so they were what they were in my shockers section because we got a shockers section. Okay. They feature a lot in there, but tell me, tell me your thoughts. I just want to talk about the fact that they're quite funny as a trio. Um, and there's like a scene where they go to a ball and Lady Danbury is coming over, and they basically try and run away from her, and she's like, "Too late, I've seen you." <laughs> And they have to turn around and they're like, oh, you know, good evening. And I just think, I just think that's really funny. I Uh, like that. They've got a good little bromance, haven't they, between the three of them? Yeah. But I will say, and I think a lot of other people feel the same way, um, like Benedict looks like the eldest, doesn't he? I had that. It's really confusing for me when Anthony treats him like his little brother because I'm like, Benedict looks way older. Yeah. Yeah. They've all got great hair, have you noticed? Yeah, but Colin has this massive, like, Elvis Presley quiff in episode one mm-hmm. that I noticed. But then if you know, especially from the side, and I'm just like, what the hell's going on with his hair? Yeah, no, I quite like the hair, but yeah, it was pretty big. Um, So one of the shockers for me is, I don't know why I thought it was kind of like, just a bit shocking when we see Anthony having sex with his his lady against the tree and then he gets his watch out and then he turns around and he just stares intently at the manservant who's watching like to make sure there are no passerbys because it's the middle of the day when they're doing this in what I can only imagine is a park a public setting and I just thought that was really shocking like if I was his lady I'd be like oh look at me (laughs) don't look at the guy behind you while you're having sex with me do you not think that was weird yeah I thought it was weird and kind of 
rude when he was looking down at his little clock, his little watch, whilst he's having sex with her. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's distracting. And um, but yeah, when they zoom out and you can see his manservant is like, I don't know, twenty foot away. I was like, that's weird. Yeah. Um, and he gets his bum out a lot in episode one. So it's in that seat, and then later on, it's like they really want to make use of Anthony. And I just want to say, Anthony is hot. And now I'm struggling in my mind trying to decide who's hotter out of him and Simon. I'm very confused. Maybe we could do a, a bit of a a point system approach towards the end. Um, I think that there were a couple of shockers involving Anthony that makes me more sway towards Simon. So I thought it was really shocking when Anthony has that chat with his mum, who's like, look, Anthony, you need to buck up your ideas. So he goes to his lover's house. What's this lover called? The opera singer. I can't remember her name. Oh, Sabrina or something. I don't know. And so he goes to her house and I'm like, oh, you know, good for you. You're going to stand by your principles. You're going to stay with the woman you love. They obviously sleep together because the next morning he's like, I need to break up with you. And she's like, I don't understand. And then he's all like, you don't need to understand. And then I was all like, Anthony, you are a big beep, 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 beep. I did not like that about him. How could he do that? And then she was like, you promised that you'd look after me, my lord. And that's it now. She's got to fend for herself. Did you not think that was awful? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know whether he was in so much pain doing it that he came across as a total knob, but he did not do that in a nice way. And then he was like, you need to get out. Or he was like, you need to leave. And I was like, why are you doing this in the worst possible way? And also, it was just horrible the way he did it. But also, go to her house in the evening and explain that you're going to have to break up. Don't go to her house, know you're going to break up, sleep with her, and then tell her to leave the next morning. And that's awful. That's not love, is it? Yeah, the whole relationship between these two, and I'll talk about this in in a couple of episodes' time, a lot of the reasoning behind behind it didn't really make sense to me. Um, but a couple of shockers I've got. This shocked me, but also made me laugh at the same time because I thought it was hilarious. Um, when Penelope is is talking to Colin and then Miss Corper comes over, <laughs> is that cool? and she literally throws her glass of champagne right over Penelope's dress she's like oh didn't see you there and I thought that was hilarious because it was so obviously done on purpose and it was such like a mean girl's move yeah and then Colin bless him totally does the right thing doesn't he and he steps in and says to Penelope I'm sorry I'm dancing with Penelope I just found that really funny like in a really mean way it was really bitchy wasn't it um but, you know, that blonde, tall lady who did that must have felt threatened by Penelope to do that in the first place. Yeah, she's evil, isn't she? Mm, evil was a bit harsh, but yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny. Um, Something else I noticed, which I put under shockers, but it could have gone under the eye roll section too, is I noticed, I didn't notice this the first time round, that Lord Featherington quite often is perving on marina i also i also put that down as one of my questions so can i ask it now whilst we're on the topic of it yeah i was wondering if he is marina's actual biological dad and that's why he's taking her on and that's why he keeps looking at her. The alternative is that he's a massive pervert, but I like to see the best in people. So I'm hoping he's her actual father. What do you think? That's quite a good theory and not one I thought of, but I got the perving vibe. Like he was watching her over the newspaper, but it felt a bit pervy. And then even the wife was like, do you not have somewhere to be? Don't you want to get out of the house? And I don't think he showed enough care about her to be her father. I don't know I guess it's possible I just got the pervy vibe yeah I didn't want to get the pervy vibe but it was there on the subject of the Featheringtons there was a proper shocker I actually gasped I went 
because I did not remember this when I watched it the first time. So I'm referring to the scene where Lady Featherington smacks Marina around the face because she finds out that Marina has missed her course and is pregnant. Do you remember that? Yeah, and also because Marina accuses her of like basically being someone she doesn't like and who's really out of touch, doesn't she? So she's like, slap. That was so over the top, though, Chris. I was not prepared for that. Well, Marina was being quite rude, though. She was like, do you realise that I don't want, I would, I, you know, I hate the thought of staying with somebody like you. Like, she was really quite mean. Yeah, that is, that's mean. Um, did you have any other shockers you wanted to talk about before we move on to the eye rolls? No, those were all my shockers. So when we talk eye rolls, when we when we talk about eye rolls, where I'm thinking about those scenes where maybe you're like, oh, really? Or those things that maybe kind of are a little bit annoying or cringy or, oh, man, like, why did they have to include that? Or So before I talk about mine, what were your what were a couple of your eye roll moments? Well, one was the courses which we've covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I noticed right at the beginning of episode one and I was like, oh, God, that just looks rubbish. It are the oil paintings so they have paintings of the um Bridgertons in their house it's one of the first things you see and they just look like photos that have been almost photoshopped into portraits and they just look really stupid and it comes up again in one of the later episodes when the Duke and Daphne have their painting done and it's awful again it looks like they've just got photos of their heads and stuck them into like it just it doesn't look like a portrait and it really bothers me because they've made all this effort with the set. The sets are beautiful, the houses they've used, the costumes, and then they do something like that and I just think, oh my God, it looks so stupid. I didn't notice that. I know what you're talking about. There's a portrait of the uh, the Bridgertons. To be fair to you, Chris, I agree that Eloise looks a bit weird in it, in the painting. But other than that, I thought they looked all right. It's funny it what we pick up. Mm. You think they it look like, like photos? Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed is, um, I think it's a scene you just talked about when Lady Featherington storms down to Marina's room with the bedsheet, and she's wearing this ridiculous dressing gown. It looks like it's made out of yellow chick feathers, and she just looks like a giant chick. Did you notice that? Like Big Bird. I noticed it and I'm really curious. I really want to know the psychology behind the choice of clothing. Is it because she represents like the mother hen and she's trying to kind of create order? Am I looking too deep into things? Yeah, maybe. Or it could just be that. I have no idea, to be honest. It was a really strange choice. What's the deal with all this yellow for the Featherington? I mean, as a costume designer yourself, does yellow represent anything in particular? No, I I think what it is is, um, so Lady Featherington makes a comment really early on in episode one about how Penelope needs to lose weight. I don't know if you remember that bit. Um, and I think she makes her wear yellow so that people don't, so that men are almost distracted by the fact that she's overweight almost like she doesn't want her to be like overlooked for being the chubby fat girl stood in the corner do you know what I mean she's trying to show her off more because she's overweight and she thinks she's less likely to find a man she wants her to stick out more to kind of increase her chances okay so I'm on board with that idea but then why do they all have to wear yellow because then actually they're actually detract they're de- they're actually taking the focus then away from Penelope if they're all wearing yellow, aren't they? Shouldn't they be wearing grey? She doesn't normally make them all wear yellow. It's normally just Penelope because when they order their dresses later on from that French lady, um, they get like pink and orange dresses and then Penelope picks up the yellow one and she was like, Oh, of course mine's yellow. I did not pick up on that. That's really clever. Also, I'm wondering, Lady Featherington, maybe that's why her little thing was made of feathers. Cause she... 
the nightgown was made of little feathers, wasn't it? Little yellow feathers because of her namesake. Yeah. Maybe. That's funny. Um, an eye roll moment for me was just the hypocrisy and the double standards between the messages that Anthony was given both by his mum like you'd got to be a gentleman you've got to be there for your sister and then flash forward to him having sex with someone in the park against a tree he's not even married by those standards that you know how gentlemanly is that I don't know but also when he says to Daphne the best thing to do is not to dance then you leave the men wanting more and I was like you just came out of like a 20 hour sex marathon with your girlfriend it just doesn't seem fair that you're telling Daphne not to even dance for a guy where you get to have your cake and eat it and that kind of bothered me as a theme really throughout the episode what did you think about that I just found yeah I get that but also I found Anthony just really annoying and I didn't understand why he was trying to basically cock block Daphne constantly it's like I want my sister to get married, but he's not good enough for you. He's not good for you. Ignore him. Don't look at him. Step away from him. Don't dance with him. And then when he gets home, she's got all these um, quarters and he wrecks it. And the mum's like, why did you just do that? And it's almost like he's being overprotective to the point where he's dismissing all these possible husbands. But at the same time, he's like, you've got to get married. And I just didn't understand. Is he confused in himself about his attachment to Daphne, it was really getting on my nerves. Yeah, I think he's massively confused because he knows he needs to be responsible for her, but he doesn't actually know what that looks like because he doesn't have any guidance. So he he's doing what he thinks is in her best interest. And it's funny because he was he was disregarding loads of suitors, wasn't he? Because he was like, oh, he's an artist or he's a poet or he owes us money. And yet the guy he ends up picking on paper looks great. But in reality, he's horrible. Like he tries to make make out with Daphne in the park, and he's he's a little bit slimy, isn't he? Yeah, he picks a jerk. Mm. But that's all because the mum is like, if your father was alive, he would have made an agreement with an old friend, and it'd be done by now. So I think he just kind of took her exactly what she said and did it without. I do not. I think that was really selfish of him to expect her to marry a complete douche I, th- I just didn't understand why he thought that was a good idea it's like he panicked it's not it was more about him wasn't it his mum made him feel rubbish about himself for not for not delivering the goods for not sorting out Daphne and so he wasn't thinking about her it was about his own ego and I need to sort Daphne out with a husband and then it's done and dusted and how can you be so flippant about the future of your sister and her whole life as well yeah he's really selfish in episode one um I'd like to think that he changes a bit but maybe he's just a bit of a selfish guy I think he's selfish and I guess he hasn't really needed to be unselfish because he's had everything he's ever wanted and he uses that girl that opera singer he uses her and then just gets rid of her yeah but then like he does go back to her and I think he does really love her like you can see that in the later episode um where he's toing and throwing I think he's quite tortured isn't he yeah I liked I liked their connection I thought there was it was there was very uh there was a lot of chemistry between both the actors and there was a lot of that sustained eye contact which helped draw you in to that magnetism that they both had for each other yeah I agree I I I really liked their love story actually Mm. and the scenes that they were both in so any other eye-rolling moments that you wanted to mention no I think I mentioned them all okay so shall we move on to any questions that we might have had for each other about this episode okay so my first question was which I tried to ask you earlier um is who is hotter Anthony or Simon because I'm I'm I started off with Simon I think I'm into Anthony now even though he's selfish I'm purely looking at hotness level rather than personality 
<laughs> um, hot and intense. There's an intensity with his girlfriend that I really like. And he's yeah. very handsome and very buff. What I wanted to ask you, how did guys in Regency times get a six pack? Because six packs, I don't think they look like they're very easy to come by. And yet Anthony has one. And I know that because I was looking at his abdominals whilst I pressed pause just to see. (laughs) They were real. They weren't painted on. I was just seeing if they were painted on like in Twilight. (laughs) Yeah. And he's got like a proper gun show. Um maybe he's maybe horse riding and what would he do he probably doing like horse riding and fencing and boxing boxing um, he's in very good shape it's, so who are you saying anthony or simon it's so difficult chris because we haven't seen that romantic side of simon in this episode um i think simon seems a little bit more fun like a little bit more cheeky him and daff have a bit of banter but I do love that intensity of Anthony, and I'm guessing I can't say both of them. I think deep down, maybe I just like a little bit of a bad boy, and yeah. Simon's not really a bad boy. Like he's pretending to be a rake. He's pretending to be have that reputation. Whereas, you know, I think Anthony's a bit of a tortured soul, and maybe I'm drawn to that. Mm. Although. Um, sorry, the Duke is actually a rake, though, isn't he? Because I can't I think decide. A lot of it's for show. I I think a lot of it's for show, and he is actually very sensitive deep down, and he does care. Also, Simon is deeply tortured as well by you know the lack of emotional um, affection from his father. Um, I honestly couldn't decide I think what I would have to do is write their names on a piece of paper put it in a hat and just pick one and then whoever I picked they'd get to have me as their girlfriend lucky them lucky very lucky or, or maybe like um, a part time thing like maybe every other week I could take it in turns I don't know I'm very bad at making decisions anyway okay. um, um, I've got another one that's related on the same topic so Shag, marry, avoid mm. between Anthony, Colin, and Benedict. I got the gay vibe of Benedict. N- not so much in this episode, but in the future. So I don't know if I'm even his type. I'm overthinking it. Okay, I don't think, I think, oh, I can't decide. Can you do it? Okay, hang on okay, a second. I've already, I've already decided. I'm going to shag Anthony. (laughs) You sound like you really mean it as well. Like this is your actual plan. (laughs) I'm going to marry Colin. And I say this because Colin is innocent. He's naive. He's very like duty bound. He's not a player. I think he might even be a virgin. (laughs) Um, He's he's not a rake. If I marry Anthony, he's 100% going to cheat on me. If I marry Benedict, he's probably going to go to some kind of orgy. Um, Colin is husband material out of the three of them. And then I'm going to avoid Benedict because, again, I don't really like it. I think he's boring. What? He just, he just doesn't. He's got no charisma or charm. But hang on. Benedict is like that. Benedict is the artist. And I just think he's really boring. I think Colin's boring. There's nothing... He's not. Yeah, but he's he's loyal and he's not a player. I think if Anthony really loved you, he would not be a player. He would be loyal, and you could have that passion that he had for that opera singer. But he's selfish. I can never play these games because I get caught up in all the pros and cons. My my instinct, though, was that I, I would avoid Colin. Um, I think maybe I'd marry Anthony. I mean, can I kiss rather than shag Benedict? I just... Maybe it's because I know that he has an orgy later. Part of me is like, oh, do I really want to be having sex with you? Like, oh, will you want other people involved? I don't know if that's my thing, so... 
I think he'd want that guy involved. That's what I mean. I get a gay vibe of him. So would I be wasting the shag option if I picked him? Because he'd be like, nah, I'm not interested. (laughs) Um, Wasting it. Yeah. So, okay, that's my choice. You can have Colin. I give him to you. Mm, Not massively excited about that but I'm afraid you've picked now you've made your choice so unlucky um I wanted to know what diamond of the first water is so this is what the queen uh calls Daphne when Daphne presents herself to the queen and the queen's really impressed do you have any idea what that means diamond of the first water no so basically I think it comes from the chambers encyclopedia that said that the first water in diamonds means the greatest purity and perfection of their complexion, um, which ought to be that of the clearest drop of water. So that's a pretty high compliment, isn't it? A pretty nice compliment. Yeah, it is. And again, not like the books, but there we go. Yeah, and also uh, it felt a little bit like... I've always romanticised this time period, but actually watching this episode made me feel kind of shitty because I was like, these women are not doing, they're not being judged for anything other than how they look in dress. And that feels a bit depressing. And the way that Daphne is like, all I'm good for is marriage. It just made me really appreciate the fact that actually I don't live in those times. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't like that at all. And Eloise says a lot about that, that, you know, there's more to a woman than how she looks. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, it's the time they live in. But then I'm sure ugly women would have also charmed, charmed a man and got married. I'd like to think. I'd, that like, to think so. I'd like to think so. But also, um, in all the costume dramas I've ever watched, I've never heard of anyone refer to the ton. I just thought it was the fancy way of saying the town. But do you know what the ton is? I think it's just like a shortened old fashioned word for town because, like, you know, we have place names that end in ton. That's that's all it's short for, I think. Town. It's just archaic, isn't it? I just Googled it um, in case you didn't know. And I think you're right. It just says that the ton actually refers to English high society. Oh, no, I was wrong. But you're, yeah, sorry. I set you up there, didn't I? Um, okay, Any other? the only other question I had is, like, at the start of the episode, there was a bee on the door knocker, but I don't know whose house it was. But do you know what that might be about? Seemed kind of random. It happens throughout the series. So I think it happened like in series one, uh, sorry, episode one and two. And then it happens right at the end in the last episode. And it's some kind of hint towards the next series, but I don't know what. Okay. I wasn't sure because I know that bumblebees are supposed to represent like busyness, aren't they? And being part of like a community. And I wasn't sure if it was related to the fact that like all the girls are getting ready, aren't they? To What was it called when all the girls, they get ready and they get all dressed up and then they present themselves to the society? What's that called? I don't know what, if it's got a specific word. I don't know. Because I just want... Coming out, isn't it? Yeah. I just wondered if it was, um, they were all dressed in white, like they were getting married and... I just thought it was... oh, okay. I guess it's it's to do with them being virgins and to show that they're they're virgins that are coming out into society. I don't know. Okay. Um. Sorry, that was a really big yawn, and I was really hoping you would fill the gap, but you just watched me yawn I, instead. I had it. <laughs> I was to you, and then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> So in this episode, there were so many things I picked up on that I didn't the first time. Um, but there are a couple of quotes that I liked. Um, so I love it when uh, Lady Featherington says to Penelope, because Penelope's reading a book, Penelope, put down that book. You'll confuse your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. But at the same time, it really pissed me off. 
Oh, why? Just because I'm like, oh my god, she can't even read a book. Like, it's so lame that a woman can't even read a book without being accused of like not being feminine enough. Mm. I okay. can see why Penelope really dislikes her mum. Yeah. Okay, so I thought that was funny, but now I think I don't like it oh. now. Um, it is funny. It is funny. You're right. It does give us a bit of insight, doesn't it, as to how they think reading serves no purpose. Um, I thought it was quite funny how the women were talking about that woman who was on her own in a conservatory and had to get married to the guy. Um, and they describe it as they just say, oh, light skirts. And I thought that was quite a funny way of saying slutty. <laughs> I really like that. I thought that was really funny. I think Lady Featherington does come out with some funny, like, funny bitchy quips. Yeah, but I want to use that now. I want to use these in my day-to-day speech. Did you notice yourself speaking differently when you'd watched the end of that episode? No, but actually, this is something I was going to say. Like, again, I've watched a lot of Jane Austen adaptations, so I'm used to the language of the time. And with Bridgerton, it just felt really contrived. And I hated the way they would just keep putting indeed on the end of sentences. Or do you not think, my lord, would you not think, um, Duke or whatever. And the, the speech pattern, and it just seemed way too formal, way too contrived. Uh, it didn't come across as natural like it does in a lot of period dramas. And that's one thing I didn't really like. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. In the other Christian dramas we watch, I don't remember the the women referring to the men as my lord, because to me that sounds like something that you'd say in like the the Tudor times. Is that is that wrong of me? Have I misunderstood that? Like, did they used to say, oh, my lord and my lady? No, you're right. It's not something they do in other Christian dramas based in that time, actually. That's a really good point. They don't tend to say, my lord. And it, it, what really bothers me in Bridgerton is how many times the characters will say, your grace, your grace, your grace, all the time. And it gets on my nerves. And I just think it's unnecessary. Um, you might say it at the beginning of a conversation or when you're greeting them. But I don't think you would keep saying it that many times. It, it's just a bit odd. I know what you mean. I mean... I think you watch you watch more you watch more caution dramas than me. So I think you have a higher um, satisfaction level. Do you know what I mean? Like I think I'm quite easily amused, whereas you're like, no, that was rubbish and that was rubbish. Um, but something I did notice that I thought was quite funny is when Daphne goes to get a drink and her brother's like, oh, where are you going, control freak? Uh, and then she says, um, I am just going to get some cider or something. I shall return in a mere moment. And I thought, I can see why Eloise gets annoyed with you because you could have just said, I'll be back in a minute or I'll be back in a mo. But like a mere moment, it did feel contrived, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and Daphne is the worst person for it. And I don't know whether they've done that on purpose because she's supposed to be perfection. But yeah, the, the, the way they speak, maybe it's just the women actually because actually I haven't noticed it as much with the men. It just doesn't it, it it doesn't come across as natural and it's it's almost clunky. Um, it's not it's not very well done. I don't think it's like it's affected, isn't it? Is that the right word? Yeah, affected. Yeah, and it's just contrived. It just doesn't sound right. But she's the worst character for it. So maybe that maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe they want her to appear always perfect, like the most perfect. Yeah, and maybe it was quite hard for the actress. Um, she's given a script like that. It must be quite hard to deliver those lines and make it sound natural and flowing. Yeah. Overall, though, I thought it was a good episode and I did really enjoy it. Who was your favourite character in this episode? I think in this episode, maybe I'd go with Eloise. Um, I think in general, oh, and Anthony. Really? I've got a bit of a soft spot for Anthony. He's just you, a bit bad boy in this episode. You, you really do, and yet you wouldn't marry him. You'd marry his much younger brother. 
I would just want to marry someone that would be loyal and I could trust. And Anthony is a player. Although Anthony has had his fun and maybe he no longer needs to play around. Whereas Colin will always be like, mm, I've married Christina, but I don't really feel like I ever got the chance to play the field. I just think Colin would be easy to please. He's a little virgin. He's very loyal. He's very romantic. And even Anthony was like, oh, I knew I messed up by not letting you sow your wild oats. Um, and Colin's like, how dare you? Like, he's just a real romantic. I just think you could just click your fingers, he'd do what you want kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think Colin is a good choice for someone like you that's maybe a little bit lazy. You want someone that's just really easy to please. Um, yeah. You want someone you can manipulate and someone that will do whatever you want. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, then in, in that case, you and Colin will be very happy together. But always just, just remember that your marriage will be completely ruined by the fact that every time Ant- Anthony walks into the room, you're going to want to jump him. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Anthony in the next series. I thought you meant with you then. Like, we'll see what happens with me and Anthony in this <laughs> reality. Um, um, I like... Who's your li- favourite? Oh, sorry. <laughs> who's my favourite character? Mm-hmm. I like Lady Banbury because... Is that her name? Lady Banbury. Lady Danbury. Oh, Danbury. Um, I'm not good with names. Um, I just liked how she was kind of a kick-ass when she's like to the duke no you are coming to my party and I don't know I like that she was smoking and she had her hair down and she was quite enigmatic wasn't she the way she moves it felt like it was slightly exaggerated but I like that it was like a quirkiness that reminded me of Johnny Depp a little bit in um in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like it was something quirky about the way she moved (laughs) you don't believe me but um it's not a comparison I would ever have expected. <laughs> Andrew and Johnny Depp from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know how um, Johnny Depp moved and and he was quite interesting, like in his movements and and she does the same, like she kind of yeah, I don't know. And she has a walking stick and he had a walking stick, maybe. That's it. Now um, you're getting it. I find Lady Danbury incredibly annoying. Um, she's really bossy. She thinks she knows better than everyone. She's like trying to be the puppet master. You should do this. You should say that. You should come over here. You should bring me some lemonade. Um, you're wrong. I'm right. And she talks like that. And I'm just like, oh, you're so annoying. Just like you're so nosy and like trying to get yourself involved in everything. Mm, she reminds me of someone. <laughs> Like You've it. literally just described yourself. I love that she clearly loves Simon and she knows that there's a very particular way that she has to show that with him. I like that. I like that she's got his corner and that she seems to kind of fight against his better nature. He doesn't want to stay for the party, but she's like, no, you're staying. It's almost like she kind of knows what he needs without him knowing it himself. Um, I I didn't. I was kind of surprised that he was like, okay then. Like he just totally caved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, she's really bossy. Um, yeah, I don't know. It worked though, didn't it? She knew what she was doing, I suppose. Yeah, and I think it's important that he's accountable to someone because to me he seems like a bit of a free agent. He's coming to say goodbye to his dad. He's off again. He's not accountable. He's not anchored. And I think maybe she's realising that actually his dad's dead. He actually does need to maybe think about like having a support bubble. I just thought it was funny how he came in, like real bad boy. Like, oh, you think the music gets quite dark as well. And then she basically just like reduces him to the size of a little kid, doesn't she? By saying, you're coming. And he's like, yes, ma'am. Yeah, he totally turned into child mode, definitely. But he owes a lot to her. I guess she was like a mother to him. Yeah, we find out. So that's in episode two, isn't it? Hmm. 
Was there anyone in this episode other than Lady Danbury that you were like, oh, if I see your face one more time, I'm just going to scream, like you're really annoying or you just don't need to be in this show? No, I don't think so. I think everyone else is okay. What about you? No, I think everyone else is fine. I noticed an additional uh, Bridgerton girl, uh, a sister, that she was wearing like a white dress and I couldn't place her age. And I was like, oh, I don't remember you in this series. And I don't know her name and I don't really think she's got much of a character. But it's interesting what that I noticed her this time round. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, her name's Franny. And it's really strange. She's in the first episode and then... In the second episode, they mention, oh, it's such a shame Franny had to go and stay with Aunt so-and-so to, to learn the pianoforte the whole season. And I was like, hang on, this is the lamest reason. Why is this character being removed? I did not understand it. So I don't know whether something went wrong in the filming and the girl playing her disappeared. I don't know what it was, but she's back in the last episode. I just don't understand the point of that. How gutting. You're an actress. You've studied for years and years. You find out you're going to be in this huge Netflix TV show. And then you find out you've got that role and that you've got to leave after the first episode. And you get to miss Simon and Anthony. Yeah, and then coming back for the last one. It was all very odd. I might Google that. I don't understand what that was. I'm intrigued now. Maybe, Maybe they were like, you know what? There's just too many of them on the screen. And maybe they realised that she didn't actually hold... Because um, you've got the cute little girl, haven't you? The really cute one that's like, oh, you were so lovely when you visited the Queen. And you've got Eloise, who's like the grumpy one. Maybe they were like, mm, we don't really need a third sister to be here at the moment. I suppose so, yeah. And I can't remember what, if she does anything special in the books, so maybe not. I thought in the books she wasn't even present at all. I think she has to be because they're all alphabetical. Oh, yeah, but she can... I mean that she's not sort of in the storyline, if you like. Oh, right, I get you. She's in, like, finishing school or... Maybe. Wow, that's pretty much us come to a close, really. Was there anything else that you wanted to add about this episode at all? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm excited to watch episode two now. Um, I really enjoyed re-watching it again with analytical eyes. Um, so if you've enjoyed the podcast, give us a follow or a like and do check out our other episodes. We're going to be reviewing all of the episodes for Bridgerton season one. Cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good day. Bye.